Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the weekly edition of the Sport and Limerick Soccer Podcast, joined again by Jason and Noel O'Connor. Uh, Jason, start with yourself and a quick recap on proceedings last week at Talca Park. Uh, Shelburne and Treaty United, two-all draw. It, it only begins to tell the story, the scoreline. It was a crazy situation, crazy ending to the game. You had uh, three different results within the space of injury time, going into injury time from the 90th minute. Uh, very hard to, to describe what went on uh, on a Zoom call, like, as you can imagine. Yeah, unbelievable game, Adrian. Really was, had absolutely everything. Um, thought Treaty were by far the better side in the first half. Um and weren't flattered, I suppose, by their lead uh, with Matt Keane with a goal, or my apologies, hitting the post on 10 minutes. Jack Lynch had a, had a good chance with a header as well before Kieran Hanlon put him ahead. And, and they, they looked like there was only going to be one winner, but I suppose the, the changes that Shelburne made uh, made all the difference. Obviously, Brennan and, and Maddie coming in in the second half and, and, and getting the goals. And look, I suppose if it to be completely biased, I suppose, looking at the one that we saw a clip of it, Adrian, that, that was over the line, that wasn't given as a goal. Um, and Shells had a couple of excellent chances as well um, before they went into the lead. But fantastic to see the goal by Clyde O'Connell at the end. And unbelievable stuff. And the celebrations and the players really sums up, Adrian, I suppose, what we've seen from Treaty so far. The fight, the determination, the pride in the jersey. And just going to the very end and we saw him go behind and we've spoken on the podcast for a number of weeks about how they'd react when they when they go behind and it was only for a couple of minutes the reaction was there for everybody to be seen they wanted to, to get a result out of the game and came away with a deserved point yeah certainly and as as we had been discussing we did want to know how they would react if they went behind well they, they scored very quick afterwards Noel were you impressed by Treaty's performance overall both in possession and out of possession oh absolutely and Jason spot on the first half you know they were far the better team you know I suppose looking at it as a neutral you, you'd wonder what Shelburne were doing they seemed to get everything wrong um, they, they only seemed to have one up front they gave Treaty loads of time at the back, um, the personnel, as Jason mentioned, who came on, you'd wonder why those two chaps didn't start. You'd be thinking if you were Shelburne, you know, that, that you'd want to put Treaty on the back foot from the first minute because they were going so well. And I felt that they certainly had the personnel to do that and and they didn't, which was was a bit surprising. Um, they let them get a foothold in the game. They let them get their passing game going. You know, they got a lead, uh, which they were full value for. And uh, I suppose... They really only started playing, you know, at half time or from half time on Shelburne. I thought in the second half they really were outstanding and it was all hands to the pump for Treaty, you know, some last gaps defending, some good saves, you know, kind of clearances off the line, blocks in, you know, it was a real heroic performance. But it also showed maybe how how good Shelburne um, can be. Um, it was it was brilliant to see. Treaty coming back because, as I said, you know, we were wondering what they would do when they were going down. What was really more remarkable about that is, is that um, they actually got that equaliser with, uh, with with ten men, which obviously was brilliant for Treaty. But then, you know, uh, you know, if I was involved with Shelburne, I mean, I just looked for a split second there before the corner came in. They didn't seem to be organised at all. You know, um, they did go a goal up, and you know, they had a big celebration as well when they went two one up, and you would have said. 
you know, they may well be better off to postpone that celebration for another two minutes and, you know, have it, you know, at, at, at the final whistle. I didn't see anyone on the front post, the back post, or in the hole when the corner was delivered. Um, we spoke and know how strong Treaty have been from corners and it's, you know, it's nearly always an overhit to the back post uh, from that side from Mark Ludden. Yeah, and you've Clyde O'Connell out there, very, very good in the air, heads it back to where it came from. And um, you'd, like, with the likes of Ali, uh, Ali Gilchrist in their ranks, you, you know, you would have thought that he would have done a marking job on Clyde, you know, and, and did some matchups and, and they didn't seem to have done that at all. So, listen, it was brilliant for Treaty and, you know, I suppose for the resources that Shelburne had on the night, you know, they certainly would be disappointed that they didn't get the three points, but it was a great point for Treaty. Yeah, it certainly was the case. On, on one sour note, Jason, to emerge from the game was obviously the news that Mark Walsh has suffered a, a broken jaw, uh, which is very disappointing for both the player and Treaty, considering the performances he's put in, uh, possibly came in under the radar for a lot of people. People weren't expecting much from Mark Walsh. And he did a real good job in defensive. I mean, feel I know that Tommy Barrett and the 3D players were livid, and the footage doesn't come across well. Uh, if you're Michael O'Connor either, it looked like a pretty premeditated attack, Jason. Yeah, it certainly was, Adrian. There's no doubt about that. And anyone that's looked at Treaty closely will see that Mark Walsh is the standout player in the middle of the field by far. You know, he goes about his work quietly. He doesn't draw attention from the referee. He, he turns over possession regularly for Treaty. And more importantly, then on the ball, just does it nice and simple and, and keeps possession for his team. So he was definitely targeted, you know, from, from looking at it from a player's point of view. These are the things you discuss as a player and and you do leave a bit on him. And, and I agree with you 100%. I think Michael O'Connor got away with one. I know he picked up a yellow card for it, but in my eyes, and I'd have a bit of experience on it, it certainly was a red in my book. Yeah, it was it was incredible, really. No, I suppose from, in a, from a managerial point of view, you can see where Tommy Barrett was coming from after the game when he mentioned that if the referee sees that, which he obviously has, how is that not a red card and is a yellow card, really? Yeah, I agree with you. And um, we spoke about, I wanted to talk too much about referees, but particularly for something like that, where a guy is going to be out of the game for a couple of months, you know, you certainly want him to, you know, to make the right decision. And even retrospectively, it seems that they can't do anything about it either. And then you're wondering about the linesman. He wasn't a million miles away, you know, and uh, it's, it's really disappointing. And it's something that you don't like to see in the game. Um, it's just a shame that they can't do something about it because... Um, that boy certainly deserves uh, a longer band than the one he'll eventually get from the other cards. I think he was lucky to be on the pitch overall. I mean, we talk about too many fouls by treaty, but I, I heard this morning that uh, his foul count went into double figures and still only ended up with cards. Yeah, outside that. Yeah. You know, I think he gave away a lot of cheap fouls, a lot of lazy fouls, and, um, you know, it's disappointing really. And it probably comes down to a very inexperienced referee who hasn't played the game doesn't understand that, you know, that this kind of stuff can happen. And uh, it's probably something that they don't uh, talk about in referee school, for want of a better word, either. So um, hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll learn from that and realise that this is possible and these things can certainly happen during the game. Yeah, definitely. And, and moving on to this week's challenge, Jason, Jason it's another trip to the capital for Treaty, they're travelling to play a free scoring and very technical UCD side. It doesn't get any easier. No, it certainly does not, Adrian. But 
look after last week and and all the games so far. I'm sure the three players will be looking forward to it. Um, we know UCD total football. Um, it'll be three five two or or a version of it, maybe three four three, but very fluid in it. Um, individual errors kind of cost them early doors in the season, but they've seemed to iron them out over the last couple of weeks. You know, obviously, Colin Whelan, eight goals in six games is the obvious threat, um, but there's a lot more to him, Adrian, than, than just scoring goals. The tactic for UCD up to this has been in possession of the ball, moving it out from the back into the middle, and Whelan then, Colin Whelan, makes a move out to the wing, trying to disrupt the two centre-backs trying to create a gap in there between the two centre-backs and they get runners from midfield. And that's kind of the tactic that they've been using to, to open up the opposition. But listen, it's going to be a difficult game for Treaty. There's no doubt about that. But listen, they've nothing to be afraid of. You know, you'd expect Charlie Fleming to come back in. You'd expect Lloyd O'Connell to go into the back four. You know, and you might see Callum McNamara in the middle of the field. But there's a doubt still over Joel Custrain. If he's on the wing, I think that's where UCD are vulnerable with this formation and maybe isolate Sam Todd, you know, and get at him down the flanks. And that could be could be the route to a, a point, would be my prediction, or treaty this week. Yeah, and while we get to the, the overall predictions later on, Noel, it's fair to say Andy Moyler has assembled a, a strong squad. You know, Sam Todd was at Finn Harps, was a strong player. You've got Liam Kerrigan, Evan Weir. Uh, the list the list goes on and obviously two young aspiring managers trying to, to get their teams in the future into the Premier Division and higher up the ladder so it makes for an interesting game Yeah, great start for UCD in fairness um, I suppose the couple of things um, will will have met a team that's as, as physical if you like than Treaty I think, you know and of all the results I think the one that will give Treaty the most confidence is certainly last week and going back to Dublin you know and they will be prepared to sit in again um, and as you already said about the total football, if you like, of UCD, that kind of plays into Treaty's hands because they're so hard working and, and they get goal side, if you like, and they get guys behind the ball. Um, and it is possible, you know, if you're nice and narrow, like Treaty were last week, to make it really difficult for them. So um, I, I, the, the one worry I would have is because obviously Mark Walsh is out and Ant O'Donnell haven't got the red card last week and the, there's kind of four four key players or four or five key players that they need in that central area and they've been kind of mixing and matching them in the last few weeks but now they're down two of them on um, on Friday so from that point of view it is a bit of a worry you know while they have guys to come in um, they, they won't be as battle hardened if you like as the two lads that are gone out and uh, hopefully the guys who come in can acquit themselves well but I suppose we're coming to that stage now where a few injuries and a few suspensions you know of those key players are going to really put it up to treaty Yeah you mentioned his name already Jason in Cullum Whelan obviously he scored two hat-tricks already for UCD he's picked up where he's left off from last season uh, one of the key battles is going to be between him and the centre-backs him and Sean Gearns and a word on Sean Gearns as well I mean not only has he come from St. Michael's up to League of Ireland level, but he has excelled so far. I mean, there's, he's largely maybe gone under radar as well in terms of the performance because he hasn't actually put a foot wrong and obviously he'll need that again when he's playing up against Cullen Whelan on Friday night. Definitely, Adrian. Like Sean Gearns and Mark Ludden have been the two constants, I suppose, in, in the back four. 
and and similar to Mark Walsh, goes about his job quietly, not looking to play Hollywood passes or, or any silly stuff. Um, a solid defender, and he already mentioned the, the movement to Colin Whelan, and that's going to be very, very important for, for Sean Gairns and, and possibly Clyde O'Connell if he's next to him, to manage that um, and passing him on and, and realising when he becomes dangerous and when he is not dangerous. And if he wants to go into wide positions, then let him go into wide positions, pass him on and defend your goal and, and protect Ty Ryan and, and not leave gaps for, for midfielders to run through because we've seen that it's there in black and white wheeling as eight goals in six games, but they've nine different scorers, Adrian, in total. Do you know, they've 18 goals scored in six games. So while Colin Whelan is a very, very influential player for them, it's his movement. It's not only his goals, he's very, very quick. And if Sean Brennan, if he plays in the middle on loan from Rovers, back from Southampton, very, very good on the ball, very, very clever, excellent from set pieces. And, and they'll be an intelligent team, Adrian. They'll be looking to move players around They'll be looking to pull Treaty out of position as the likes of Sean Gearns, Mark Ludden, that will have to keep the lads steady at the back. Yeah, definitely. And Noel, I think one thing that has surprised many people, particularly in maybe the Galway away game and the Shelburne away game, is actually how comfortable, particularly in those first halves, that Treaty have been in possession and that they've had a lot more of the ball than maybe we suspected that they'd also have in that period of the game in the first half. Delfield uh, Bold, one of the best pitches in the division as well so you know you'd be hoping obviously that that treaty can gain a foothold early on even though I know you said that there is concerns now that the fact that they might not have that base to build off or it won't be as strong this week yeah and I suppose look you know will Andy Myler have, have looked at those games and said you know they've let them settle if you like because I, I did feel that that they didn't get after them you know they just didn't get after treaty like you think that. They should have, and I'm sure Andy Myler will, you know, will be drumming that into the UCD team that they need to to press high, if you like, to get on top of them, you know, and not give them a foothold in the game and, and try and just uh, disrupt their rhythm because what has been a great advantage for them so far is they have, got, you know, they played their way into the game, they've got a foothold in the game and they've nicked the goal to go in front and then they have something to hold on to. There's something tangible to hold on to and it's really worked very well from them. And look, we do hope that happens again. But as the opposition manager with his cap on, you know, you, you obviously don't want that to happen. So, you're, you know, you, you're saying to your team, we need to get on the front foot. We need to press them, not let them have time to, to start passing and get their passing game going. Just get the ball in behind them as much as we can. Because uh, another thing that would be interesting, and it was apparent even last, uh, last week, like most crosses... Uh, when, when teams do get wide um, of treaty and get crosses in the boxes, in high crosses in the box, in, invariably Ty Grind deals with it or the two, uh, one of the two centre halves win it. And that's another thing maybe that UCD won't want to be doing tomorrow. They will try and get on the end line, I'd say, but they'll be looking to pick out passes as such or cutting the ball back from the end line as opposed to just um, lobbing crosses into the box, which for this treaty group is... Uh, is meat and drink to them. Yeah, definitely the case. And Jason, Noel mentioned Ty Ryan there. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the, the, 
the goal, the phantom goal that didn't arrive for Shelburne, but he pulled off an unbelievable save in the first header before that to get to that uh, header from Michael O'Connor to stop it. He has had a very solid start by missing the one game, but he has, has performed really well. He was quick to point out to me last night that he has had runs of games in the League of Ireland before when I normally said he hasn't, but I do think it was fair to say that this really is, though, the first time that he has been first choice and established at a club, and uh, he seems to benefit from that. Yes, I agree with you, Adrian. Look, I assume and, uh, that Tommy, when he signed him, promised him the number one jersey because when Shane Cusick got into the team, he did nothing wrong and, and Tyg went straight back in. So I'd say that was part of the agreement Tommy made with him when he signed that he would be number one because, look, I'd agree with you, what he has a few games under his belt elsewhere. He's never really had a, a full season in goal for a League of Ireland side yet. Look, he's technically very, very good. There's no doubt about that. Very comfortable with the ball in his feet and, and both feet. Good kicker out of his hands as well. Excellent shot stopper. I disagree with Noel. I'll be honest, if there's one criticism I'd have at Tyg Ryan, it is balls into the box. And over a couple of games, he's, he's fumbled a couple when he's been put under pressure. And it hasn't really cost us as such yet, but it would be my one fear about him. Um, you could see it in the Shelburne game. That was a tactic they used in that kind of last 10, 12 minutes where they were getting a bit of joy on us. They were pumping balls into the box. And while I'd agree with Noel about the centre-backs heading balls away, I'd have a slight concern about Tyg under a high ball. Yeah, and on, on a more positive note again, Noel, we have returning players. Charlie Fleming returns after... Uh, three games out and it probably will be the perfect time for him to come back because he'll have, he'll have a shot of getting back straight back into the team whereas he might not have I mean I know that's not set in stone but he has a better chance anyway with, with the injury and suspension to the two players we've mentioned earlier on but probably even more positively was seeing Dean George uh, come off the bench and look quite lively against Shelburne uh, so the fact that he was obviously fit enough to come on for 20 minutes you know and play is that he's, he's obviously nearing uh Fuller fitness, anyway, for the want of a better word. So it, it was it was positive to see that return, and it might give Tommy a few different options in the future. Yeah, I think you're right. And look, we didn't mention um, Kieran Hallen, who was outstanding last week. I thought, and just gave something say that they wouldn't be used to. He kind of bullied the two Shelburne centre halves, or took him on his own. I thought, and uh, obviously got he got the goal as well. Um, now we do know. I, I thought again. Like the, the previous week, he was he was quite enough in the second half and was eventually substituted. And certainly with Dean George, you have an option maybe to make that change a bit earlier. And uh, again, I'll say McKevitt is another live option for me, particularly when you're a goal up away from home. I mean, he did come on and he did stretch them a little bit. If, if you want to get that pressure relieved at times, it's great to be able to play a ball out wide and in behind the opposition full-backs and, and have a guy who has the pace and desire to get up there. I, I think he he closed them down and eventually got a free near the Shelburne corner flag, which, you know, it was psychologically, it was so important to, to Treaty at that time just to give them, a, a you know, a bit of breathing space and a bit of uh, belief and run down the clock. Yeah, that's something that is important, Jason. That's something we can't skip over. Uh, very quickly because let's be honest we did all have our reservations about Kieran Hanlon at the start because you know of his lack of fitness 
uh, coming into the season, but he is working very, very hard and up against those two, what you call monsters nearly, and Ali Gilchrist and Maxine Coogham on his own, as Noel said, he really battled very well. And it was great to see him get on the score sheet as well. And I'm sure if, if I didn't mention it, he'd let me know about it too. Rewards <laughs> uh, really for, for Kieran, Adrian, as you rightly said, he's been working his socks off and been chatting most weeks, you know, let send the forwards club. You have a little chat every week and he is, look, the fitness is improving every week. The goal will will push another 10 minutes on the clock for him this week because he'll be looking to, to build on that, you know, and, and if Treaty get a penalty, I'd like to see it given to Kieran. I'm a firm believer in that and we'll see that with Colin Whelan and UCD. The penalties come along and they give it to the striker and that would be just desserts, I suppose, for the work that Kieran is putting in. You rightly said, it is hands, body, legs, everything full with Maxi Coogan, that's for sure, and Ellie Gilchrist. But you can't doubt his work rate, and, and he got his reward last week. Yeah, the, on, on one maybe sour note as well, you've, you've obviously got something that we haven't mentioned because there was so much going on in that. Last week, we obviously got another uh, red card to the name, which is we've had red cards in two thirds of, of our games so far this season. I was speaking to Clyde O'Connell uh, last night, Noel, and you can see that although you can see the frustration sinking into the players now as well because it's dominating people's minds. There's been a really positive start to the season, but for the people who maybe don't watch games as intently as us, all they're seeing is red card next to Treaty's name again, uh, which is quite frustrating and probably can gloss over some some of the good starts and take away the attention from it. But it's it's important that you know you don't take that kind of to bite out of Treaty as well, Noel, because I, I just don't think they'd be the same team without that too. So. No, and like no, no, no two red cards, if you like, are are the same. Like there's a massive difference between the one last week, say, and Charlie Fleming's one. And you're right, people will look and see, oh, it's another red card. Um, you know, there there were two yellow cards. I I would I didn't really have an argument about him. To be fair, he was a little bit isolated, particularly for the second one. You know, and they were getting tired as well. Your man showed a bit of pace and got around him. You know, he was heading to the box and. In that split second, he just felt that he, you know, that he had to foul him, and that's the way it is. But uh, um, again, it's it is another red card, so I don't think it means that Treaty are a dirty team. Um, so hopefully they can go back to saying, "Look, we need we need to cut these out." So uh, it's just one of those things when you are away from home and you're soaking up that amount of pressure. Unfortunately, and particularly with the referees nowadays. You know, the yellow cards are kind of easily given and, you know, there's no second chance if there's a foul or there's no common sense really because, you know, the assessor is above with his notebook and he's telling him inside in the dressing room after, you know, you should have booked this guy, you should have booked that guy and that's just the way the game has gone. So, you know, we spoke about it earlier on about guys, you know, having to stay on their feet and jockeying and closing down and maybe just dropping off. But, you know, when, when the body and the mind is a little bit tired with a few minutes to go, it's easier said than done. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with you. And actually, Jason, the club just released a poll maybe over an hour ago uh, for Player of the Month uh, for April for the first part of the season. It's uh, it's an interesting one. You've got four options. You've got Mark Ludden, Sean McSweeney, uh, Anthony O'Donnell, and obviously the, the recently injured Mark Walsh. Uh, if you were to pick yourself and vote on that Twitter poll, who would you go for? I suppose it's a, it's impossible really to ignore Mark Ludden. He's he's impacting the game going forward. He's impacting the game defensively. He's pivotal to everything that Treaty do. Um, so I'd be leaning towards Mark Ludden. 
just shading it over Mark Walsh um, just because I suppose the impact that, that Mark Ludden has in respect of, of treaty scoring goals but very little between the two of them but if you're asking me for an answer I'd have to go for Mark Ludden yeah, I have to say, um, I, I don't know whether the lads making the poll felt that they couldn't have too many defensive options, but I think maybe Sean Gearns might have been unlucky not to get in the, the four for the poss- possible player of the month. Um, that, that would have been very defensive, but I suppose defence has been the backbone for, for 3D in, in the results uh, so far. And all yourself, obviously, I know Jason has said Mark Ludden, it, it's, it's hard to, to look past him, Noel, considering what he's done in attack and defence for 3D so far. Yeah, absolutely. And um, for sheer consistency, you're, uh, you're right about Mark Walsh and Sean Gearing because for sheer consistency, they've been steady eddies, if you like, in every game. But that impact, you know, those big moments um, in the games, nearly every big moment that uh, Treaty have had this season in, in terms in the in the opposition end, uh, Mark Ludden, you know, he hasn't been far away, whether it's a, it's a pass, it's a corner or, or a long throw. And defensively, he's been he's been really really good. Although I thought that last week was the first kind of real defensive test, and he certainly had his hands full last week. But um, overall, I think he's easily been um, Treaty's outstanding player so far this season. Yeah, um, Jason, there was one talking point in the the Eritrea League last last week. It was what seems like uh, from the outside a crazy decision from Kevin She She to play to name three subs on the bench for a Waterford game and then three days later named four subs uh, for Waterford. He said he felt that if he named academy players on the bench that they wouldn't get the protection, the necessary protection from their, the referee if they were called upon. A lot of It's caused a lot of anger around it that why are our clubs like Waterford putting money into academies and underage sides at all if that is, is the approach you're going to take. Uh, what would be your take on that? Obviously, Adrian, I'm, I'm all for young players getting their getting their break and, and getting their chance. But we have to allow the manager as well, the, the decision-making, you know, and there's a lot of negative around Waterford at the moment, I suppose. A lot of stuff coming out from the local press and things like that. And there seems to be a couple of different agendas going on down there outside of the football club. Um, but listen, on the pitch, the players are trying hard. I'd expect to see him bring in a few players um, when the window opens. Um, and it's not it's not an easy job, is it, Waterford? That's certainly been been shown over the last few years. But listen, we have to take with a pinch of salt stuff that's that's coming out in the local media down there. I'm a close friend of Martin Dunphy. He's a, a lifelong Waterford United advocate. He's he's in the middle of running the club down there, and he's Waterford through and through. Um, so the club's in safe hands when it's in Martin's hands. Yeah, uh, in fairness to Waterford, it is a club, if you're going by Munster, I do hope that things improve uh, results-wise for them anyway. I'd love to see them staying in the Premier Division. Noel, on a, a positive note for another club, a Dublin club, Shamrock Rovers have started beating a few records there. They, they've beaten the unbeaten record in the uh, Eritrea League or the League of Ireland, uh, which was held for many, many years. Uh, I have to say, from my own opinion, I can't think of a worse club to get that achievement. Just their worst club. Worst club. <laughs> yeah, no, but in fairness, I, 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 half jokingly, but you know, in terms of gloating fan base and jealousy, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, well, they've done it. Listen, they've been great in, in, in the last few years and it's just amazing how quick the, uh, things change up there because, you know, a couple of seasons ago, they were calling for Stephen Bradley's head. 
Mm. You know, they were disinterred behind uh, a very, very strong Dundalk and Cork City uh, team. And um, they've stuck to their guns and uh, spoke about academies. They seem to work, they seem to be well able to produce players. Um, they're selling players on and uh, they seem to have the right personnel. You know, they, they have a lovely mix in the group. They have a lot of young, good technical players that have come through the UCD ranks, uh, uh, ranks as well. And they, they have some real warriors, if you like, you know, like uh, Lopez and, and Joey O'Brien that are real characters and um, they have a lovely blender and they're certainly going to take a bit of stopping. You can see uh, St. Pat's have improved a lot this year as well and they'll probably give them a run for their money, but probably in the end, they seem to be grinding out results, Shamrock Rovers, and hence the un, you know the unbeaten run and they seem to be able to get, they have that championship knack now at the moment of scoring late goals. Yeah, because of the collapse of Dundalk, it's probably the first year in a few years when you consider Dundalk and Rovers and Dundalk and Cork that you don't have that outright challenger uh, for Shamrock Rovers right now. Jason, just to give a, a quick prediction for, we'll go over the few games for in the first division, which are all scheduled for Friday, but obviously starting with the, the 3D United game, I really should start a predictions league at this stage between between all of us. But um, to start off with, with UCD and 3D United, what do you think will happen? Yeah, look, I suppose my my prediction run came to an end last week. Um, so it was a very short run, Jason. By the way, uh, no, it was run about run. as long as your runs when you were on the pitch. <laughs> I would expect Treaty to come away with a point, Adrian. I really would. Um, I think UCD's setup and their approach to the game will will, I suppose, play into Treaty's hands. Treaty's won't change anything. I don't think, obviously, a couple of changes in personnel, but how they set up, again, like we always say, teams are played out from the back. You let them have it when, when it's in areas that's not going to hurt us. You get the shape right in the middle, and the minute they play the ball into the middle, it's nice and strong and nice and firm, turn possession over, and I think we'll get some joy down the side. So maybe a couple of goals in it, Adrian. It won't be a nil-nil, but I'd fancy Treaty for a point. Yeah, and Noel, you followed suit with Jason's 3-1 prediction for Shelburne last week. Are you going to follow suit again this week? No, no. Now these last few more, Joe, I better make my own solo run, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, running off what you say is a sinking ship. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think actually, and I, I mentioned already, I think that 3D can ill afford to lose the, the likes of Mark Walsh and Anto O'Donnell. And I, I think, you know, probably a 2-1 defeat. Um, obviously something I don't want to happen but I just feel that they, they just can't afford to lose guys of that calibre at the moment and uh, I don't think the guys that are going to step in at this stage are you know they'll probably need a few games in before they they start to get into that run so I, I, I do fancy UCD with their ability to score goals that they'll squeeze, uh, squeeze out a victory there is a, few, a lot of important games on, Jason. You have a big one now where Shelburne and Athlone Town play each other at Talca Park. Both sides will be coming off what they would consider disappointing results last week. How do you see that one going? Yeah, I was speaking to Adrian Carberry today and he was very, very disappointed, obviously, with last week's result, but wasn't disappointed in the performance. He he said they created numerous chances and, and just didn't take them, and that was the difference. They're not afraid of shells, that's for sure, and... And if Shells, I suppose, turning the performance that they did in the first half last week against Treaty, then then at loan have a chance. But you'd expect uh, me and Morris to make a few changes. They are at home, and it'll be interesting to see how at loan react. So I'm going for a home win there, Adrian. 
Yeah, Noel, to go on to another uh, important game with two pre-season promotion uh, favourites, shall we say. Bray Wanderers are like Brighton, as we mentioned before, in, in the English Premier League. They're drawing a lot, a lot of games uh, at the start of the season, find it hard to win win games. They're playing away to Galway uh, United, who will obviously be, be looking to build on, on their results. So how do you see that one going? Yeah, I watched um, a good bit of the Galway Cove game last um Sorry, I just felt that you know you look at the you look at the result. And I know Cove again ha, um, had a man sent off, but a four 0 win down there. Just felt that they started to get their kind of gr- grinding game going. You know, I think that they're not going to be pretty to watch Galway, but they certainly lifted it up to another level. I thought they were kind of relentless in the game, and uh, they will be buoyed up by that. And I'd expect them to to win in Friday night. And at the other end of the table, Jason, you've got uh, a pressure cooker of a game in terms of Cork City uh, entertain Wexford, who obviously had a, a, a poor result last week, but they had both uh, two sending offs actually in the game and Jimmy Corcoran after a minute. Uh, but there is pressure obviously on Colin Healy. I know he got a, dr- a draw against Bray, but they need wins. And obviously Wexford will be hoping for wins as well. So well, how do you see that one going? I think if we don't see a home win, Adrian, we could possibly see a change of manager there. Um but listen, Cork should have should have enough um, to win the game. You'd hope for them, obviously that that they do. Um, but they're not scoring goals, Adrian. That's that's the big problem for Cork. You know, they've only scored four goals in six games, and that's going to have to change on Friday night if they are to win the game. But I will tip them to win. Yeah, and last but not least, Noel, you've got Kevin Teeley entertaining Cove Ramblers. Uh, I, I will start to believe Kevin Teeley now having nine points, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the table. Uh, that was a big result for them last week against that loan, uh, which no one really saw coming just by the form of that loan in, in general anyway. Um, they, they play Cove at home. What way do you see that one going? Yeah, they certainly um, had a great win last week and, and they're picking up a few wins. It just, it just shows you how important those wins are, even if you don't get a result every week. A couple of wins... Um, Keeps you there or thereabouts. Um, I probably would think that that game could end up a draw. Um, I thought Cove, in fairness, they had some good performances um, last week. It's just that they were down to 10 men so early. But uh, I don't think that they will have taken a battering in terms of their confidence. And it's a kind of a overall and even enough contest. And I'd say that it could end up a draw. Yeah, and thanks very much, gentlemen, uh, for your contributions again this evening. Uh, we're yet to be yet to comment still on a Treaty United defeat, and long may that continue. So hopefully we'll we'll see a positive result uh, on Friday evening uh, for us. And thanks very much for joining us once again. Preview.